we are recording. Brilliant. Right. I think right. it's got me now. Right. Yeah, I think we're on. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of It's Lit But Is It Funny, the podcast where we spray the hair of literature with a silly string of comedy. My name is Jonathan Pinnock and I'm the author of the Mathematical Mystery Series of Comic Thrillers published by Farago Books. Speaking of which, I'm currently 10,000 words into writing book five and it's all going fine, thank you for asking. I say that just on the off chance that my lovely editor is listening and needs any reassurance. Writing this book is incidentally why I've temporarily dropped to an episode every three weeks rather than every two weeks for the foreseeable future. My guest today is Jane Lovering, author of, if I've counted right, 16 novels and three further novellas for Chocolate and more recently Boldwood books and also a couple for the very excellent Farago books. Uh, she was the winner of Romantic Comedy Novel of the Year in 2012 and also Overall Romantic Novel of the Year in the same year the Rona Rose for Novella of the Year in 2018 and Fantasy Romantic Novel of the Year in 2019. Her latest book is A Midwinter Match, which came out in August and seems to be doing very well, as far as I can tell from the Amazon reviews. I think I'm right in saying that she's also the first guest on this podcast to have a Wikipedia page. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm just going to point out, it's, it's actually slightly out of date, but... I will... <laughs> I've no idea where it came from. I've no idea who did it, or I'd go round to them and have words, because they may be 10 years older than I really am on that page. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, f I, f I first made uh, Jane's acquaintance back in 2011, when her very funny book, Starstruck, about romantic shenanigans at a science fiction convention, was published round about the same time as my first novel, Mrs. Darcy vs. the Aliens. And my friend Kate Nash, who also happens to be Jane's agent, suggested we swap books and do some kind of mutual publicity thing. Uh, so, welcome, Jane. Hello. Yeah, we'll talk more about what Jane... <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were expecting more of me than hello. No, no. That's all I've got. That's it, that's all I've that, got. That, 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 that's good. It, it, it's succinct and... and, and I um, so, yes. Succinct yeah, that, is not great. usually a word you can use about me, so take it and run. Yeah, no, we'll, 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 we'll work with succinct. That's great. We'll talk more about what Jane's uh, up to herself at the moment later on, but first we're going to look at the book that she's chosen to talk about, which is Jane Austen's fifth novel, Northanger Abbey, published posthumously in 1818 in a combined edition with Persuasion. Although it was actually the first one she finished writing, probably in about 1803, I think. So Jane, why did you choose this one? Because it's genuinely a very funny book. I, I've read it a few times and not found it quite as funny, but I actually recently bought it as an audiobook read by Anna Massey, and mm. I, I actually had it. I bought it because I run audiobooks while I'm sleeping to keep me asleep. And I thought this would be a good one because I know the story really well. And I actually had to delete it because I kept laughing and waking myself <laughs> up. It, if you've never, if you've only ever read it 
and thought, yeah, it's okay, but it's a bit dated and a bit mannered, then I recommend that you get it as an audio book and you listen right. to it because it is very contemporary, very funny, very mm. relatable. And it's kind of proto chick lit book. It's, mm. I would think it's probably one of the first sort of chick lit rom-com type books. It's got all the things there and it just, it ticks every box and it is, and I said, it's very, very funny. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've, I've got a confession to make at this point. And it's really You've quite never read it, have you? No. <laughs> Despite love, loving almost every single TV or film adaptation I've seen, and I think I've seen most of them, of, uh, of Jane Austen's novels, and also despite having written a highly dubious sequel to Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> this was actually the first Austen novel I actually sat down to read. Yeah, yeah, you're just shaming yourself now. Don't I know, worry it's about terrible. It. It's so embarrassing. Yes, and yes, it is. Yeah. The thing, I, I, I did actually try reading Pride and Prejudice when I was writing Mrs. Darcy vs. the Aliens because I thought, you know, well, probably really ought to. And I sort of got bogged down in it because I, I think I was being far too fixed about my views on show versus tell and all that sort of thing. And the, the authorial style really yeah. didn't work for yeah. me. And I, I think, think this, this time I, I allowed myself to go with the flow. And it was great. I loved it. I thought it was really funny and really, well, really I, Yeah, I, I have to admit, I was not an Austen fan. I mean, I tried and I tried and I tried and I could not read Jane Austen. But I have a very good friend whose favourite ever book is Emma. And mm. she, she reads this book every year. And she kept saying to me, you've got to read it. You've got to read it. So I tried reading it. And there were too many miss this, miss that. I couldn't, mm. I couldn't follow who was supposed to be who. And then I watched a television adaptation of it. And I thought, oh, actually, you know, it's it's not that bad. And mm. having watched the adaptation, then I read the book. And yeah. I found it a lot easier to put faces to names because I'd seen it. And then I just read all of Jane Austen's stuff. And then I, I lit on Northanger Abbey. And ever since then, I've just been a, a devotee of Northanger Abbey. And it's a little known book. People just tend to overlook it a little bit, I think. But they, they haven't done so many adaptations of it, have they? Because, I mean, Emma turns up all the time. I think it's the style it's written in, though. It's very mm. meta, and it's very mm. difficult to televise a book where you've got the authorial voice interjecting all the time, sort of saying, you know, she can't really be a heroine because she's not that pretty. But you can't get that over in a film. You, well, I don't know. Could, could you... I, I, just, I was just suddenly imagining Armando Iannucci doing it in the style of the David Copperfield. It was David uh, Copperfield, wasn't it? I don't know. I know Armando Iannucci, and he's very, very funny, but... I don't he know. Did that yeah. Great it version was... of the adventure of, of the adventure of David Copperfield. And I just wonder if that would that, I think that sort of style would, would work for this. It mm. would work if you did it in almost a Muppet style. You know, <laughs> where you've got, you've got, I'm not suggesting they do the Muppets Northanger Abbey, though actually I think that would work very well because mm. it's all about this over built up gothic atmosphere which is punctured on such a regular basis. But I actually mm. think the Muppets do Northanger Abbey would work fantastically well and I think that's a great idea and you know I'm, right. I'm glad you had you it. Should, you, should, you should pitch that yeah. <laughs> I should yes. <laughs> well I'm gonna blame you for it obviously because I'm, <laughs> I'm not attaching my name to that. <laughs> so okay so what's what what do you think makes makes the book funny? What, what, what's the humour derived from? I think it's you? there's so many things there's the there's mm. the authorial voice that comes in now and again and sort of especially at the beginning and the end at the beginning where 
the author is saying, you know, this this girl's just ordinary. She's a tomboy. She's not beautiful. She's not clever. She doesn't have any strange pursuits or anything like that. So nothing about her singles her out as a heroine. Mm. And you immediately feel a great deal of sympathy for your for the main character because you think, well, no, mine, I'm not a heroine mm. either. You know, I'm not beautiful. I'm not rich. I have no particular accomplishments. So, mm. you know, this makes me a heroine. And right at the end where she acknowledges that she's jemmied in a terrible <laughs> MacGuffin of an ending and sort of says, well, this person that kind of wraps the whole story up really neatly for us, he actually did feature earlier because it was his laundry list that Catherine found in the in the trunk. So he was kind of mentioned. So that's how I get round it. Yeah, I, I, I read that and thought, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but the way the author acknowledges away it, with it and, and says, you know, I know this is a MacGuffin. I know that this character should have been elsewhere yeah. in the book and wasn't. So I kind of just slung it in. You know, I've broken all the rules, but, you know, go with it. Yeah. And I love it, that. I think that's just, that's what makes it, it funny. It's actually quite, it's, it's, it's very postmodern, isn't it? It, it is. Yes, it's, yes, it is. Very meta. Yeah. 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 And yeah. also the whole, the whole way that the, the atmosphere of the Abbey is built up and the way that Catherine thinks about the atmosphere of the Abbey mm. and, she, and Henry tells her that, you know, that she's going to go to this room and it's going to be all quiet and haunted and all this. And she yes. goes to the room and there's this chest mm. and it's all sinister and big and she has to really struggle to lift up the lid and, and mm. it's empty. She builds up this whole huge story about this chest. And when she mentions it to, to Eleanor, Eleanor just says, oh, yeah, we didn't know what to do with it. So we stuck it in that room. I thought people could keep hats in it. And, <laughs> and it's just this wonderful puncturing of the whole building mm. up of the Gothic atmosphere. And I think it just that all just works so well because it's continually done throughout the book. Yeah. And that yeah. that really does make it funny for me. Mm. Yeah. And there's, there's some lovely observations as, as, as well, isn't it? And there's, can I just read a bit here? Um, yeah, she's talking about quite early on in the book where she's walking out with um, Isabella probably Isabella, Isabella and uh, Isabella's brother John uh, John or is it James is Catherine's brother James Catherine's brother yeah John is Isabella's brother the That's creep right. yeah. yeah so James and Isabella led the way and so well satisfied with was the latter with her lot so contentedly was she endeavoring to ensure a pleasant walk to him who brought the double recommendation of being her brother's friend and her friend's brother, so pure and uncoquettish were her feelings, that though they overtook and passed the two offending men in Milsom Street, this is, these are two guys who were sort of <laughs> oh, the earlier. Yes, yeah. earlier, when they passed the two offending young men in Milsom Street, she was so far from seeking to attract their notice that she looked back at them only three times. That's yes. So yeah, there's some wonderful bits, wonderful. I mean, I must admit, that, Isabella is, does yeah, give I mean, that, 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 lost that. That, that, that prefigures what Isabella gets up to later on. Yes, it, yes. It, yeah, um, Isabella is, is very, very, it's very modern in the way that you, you can imagine Isabella. She's kind of the be the awful best friend that everybody has yeah. at some stage, who's like, look, look, but don't look. There's two men looking at us. And, <laughs> and you know, but don't look at them. Don't look at them. Oh, they're going. Let's follow them. And that's, that's kind of Isabella in a nutshell. She's just a real flirt and probably what my mother would have called a flippity gibbet. Flippity gibbet, yeah, that's a good yes. one. Good one. Yes, yes, and I would call a hussy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, a lot of the humour does come from Isabella and the sheer way that Isabella's shows up how naive Catherine is. Because mm. Catherine is is very naive. This is what makes it chick litty, is that Catherine starts the book very naive, and gradually throughout the book, she's shown 
the error of her naivety through Isabella mm. and also through the things that she believes about the general. And when she's actually caught by Henry coming out of the general's, well, she actually believes that the general may have killed his wife. Mm. And she, she sneaks into the, into the sealed rooms and she's caught by Henry coming out. She has to confess to it, to what she's believed about the general. Mm. And at that point, she just thinks, how stupid am I? you know, fabricating this whole mystery life for these people who are basically just ordinary people. And that's, that's really quite nicely done. Yeah. I, I just realised that I've done my usual thing of diving into the general discussion about the book without actually asking you to just summarise the plot of it, which you probably ought to for any readers who, oh, like yeah. me, have not read it before. Who <laughs> um, so sneakily not read the book. Yeah. So do, do you want to sort of summarize the plot i mean it's, it's a fairly standard sort of yeah yes mm. yes it's, it's a very boy meets girl big misunderstanding type, type plot mm. a young lady called Catherine morland who is staying with some relative well not relatives friends of the family in bath meets a young man called henry tilney and his sister eleanor and becomes friendly with eleanor uh, she also becomes friendly with a boy, brother and sister couple, Isabella and John Thorpe, while they're in Bath. And John Thorpe makes a lot of advances to Catherine, but he is just so objectionable. She's very polite, but secretly thinks that he's a bit of a creep, which he is. And Isabella becomes engaged to Catherine's brother, James, while they're in Bath. And Catherine is invited to go and stay with Henry and Eleanor at the Northanger Abbey, which is their family home. Now, Catherine is a big fan of Gothic romances and she jumps at the chance to go and stay at a real authentic abbey. And on the journey there, Henry kind of tells her all these Gothic stories about mm -hmm. abbeys and secret sealed rooms and skeletons. And it all feeds into what Catherine's been reading about in these books. And she gets to the Abbey and it's all been modernised and they've kind of torn out all the really old fashioned stuff. And General Tilney's wife died, I think, nine years before. And, is, and Catherine kind of builds up this whole story in which she believes that the general, general might have murdered his wife or be keeping her a secret prisoner because of all the Gothic stuff she's read. Mm -hmm. And she falls in love with Henry. Henry falls in love with her. It all looks to be going along really nicely. She gets a letter one day saying that Isabella has broken her engagement to James and gone off with Henry Tilney's older brother, Frederick. And therefore she's horrified and, and she really comes to a realisation about Isabella. And she is summarily turned out of Northanger Abbey one day and sent home packing without any accompaniment, which is quite shocking. She's sent home post, which means she has to travel by cheap public transport. It's got practically the, the version of the Megabus. <laughs> and she arrives home not knowing what she's done to upset anybody, but she finds out that General Tilney thought she was rich, discovered she wasn't, and now disapproves of her mightily. And that's basically the gist of the story. I won't give away mm. the ending, which you know should be obvious to anybody who's ever read <laughs> a romance novel ever. Uh, but it's just it's just very very beautifully done. Yeah, that's an excellent summary. That's uh, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> Well, I have just yeah. reread it to refresh myself. I have well, to admit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to rely no, on my memory. That certainly tells my recollection anyway. That, that, that's good, great. Good. Yeah. I, yeah. I, the, thing it, the thing that did strike me was that so much of it was, was, was so, as you say, so modern. I mean, the character of, uh, of John Thorpe, who, who's, who's this terrible sort of boy racer type, basically. Yes. Yes. 
Yeah, he is. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's the boy. He's the bad boyfriend that occurs yeah. in every chiclet novel. Yeah, his entire conversation revolves around around uh, his, his his horses and his carriages and stuff. And yes, there's there's nothing else to it. Yes, yes. He, he basically it's how much better his horse is than everybody else's, and how much less he paid for it, yeah. and how far it can go. And you can just imagine this poor knackered beast. <laughs> that he's trying to make do like 20 miles an hour and mm. it basically just goes on. I think at one point Catherine says you know it started off without any kind of jolt or alarms and John's been warning her that this horse is going to go off like a rocket and she's better hold on when he forces her to go for a ride with him and she you know he's mm. hold on this horse is you know it's going to take off with us and the horse just goes away smoothly like every other horse mm. and <laughs> Catherine's a bit sort of okay <laughs> <laughs> But she does. She does. She doesn't see through him at first. She just mm, thinks he's, no. he's, you know, a bit, a bit talkative. But he, she eventually starts to find out what a bore, and then she avoids him. But mm. uh, yeah, he is. He is quite awful. He is quite awful. But yeah. his sister's not much better. But then their mother is pretty awful as well. So yes, <laughs> the whole family, you know. Yeah. Oh, Henry Tilney is an interesting character. I mean, he's, he's he's quite the geeky sort of type, isn't he? He is. I really, really love this. A few bits where he just teases her mercilessly uh once when they're at the rooms at bath and he sort of says oh you're going to go home and write all this in your diary aren't you and she's really taken aback and she's like i don't even have a diary i don't am i supposed to have a diary and he's like oh yes you write this all and you write down how about all the attractive people you've seen and all this and he's winding her up and she's so innocent bless her she doesn't realize what he's doing and and then again when they're in the caravan and he's driving her to uh, northanger abbey and he's telling her all about how gothic it's going to be and how she's going to go into a room and there's fires going to go out. And she's going to be all left in the dark with noises. And she's mm. sort of a little bit entranced by this, but also mm. a little bit horrified. And I just want to sort of say, Hen Henry, you're an idiot. <laughs> Leave the poor girl alone. Yeah. But he's, yes, it does yeah. make him very relatable because you can mm. see what he's doing. I mean, as a, as a reader, you can see what he's doing. But poor old Catherine as the lead lead role in this. She can't see what he's doing. She's too innocent. She's too naive. She's only mm. 17, bless her. Oh, yes. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She's very, very young. And it, it, it's a bit kind of shocking in a way, but then things were very different well, in those yeah. times. And yeah. she's the eldest of like 10. So, you know, her parents were shot of her. <laughs> <laughs> but her parents, again, her parents are very modern. Her parents, when, when she goes back, to, uh, I can't remember the name of the place where they live now, but there, she goes back in disgrace. Things were left as a Fullerton. It does Fullerton or something like that, yes. Yeah. And she goes back and her parents, instead of sort of going, oh, you are disgraced, you are sent away, they're kind of like, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and they're very sort of philosophical about it. And they don't, you know, there's no, you know, punishing of her or anything like that, except mm. when her mother sort of says, you know, you better keep your mind on your sewing because you've got to earn your living while you're here. Mm. and you know it's all very it's very nicely done I thought her parents were very rounded characters everybody's a very rounded character you can envisage the sort of person they are even in the modern day mm. because everybody yeah. knows somebody like uh, like uh, John Thorpe for example so everybody mm. knows a really boring bloke who just goes on and on about his cars and just tells everybody how attractive he is to women mm. and and he's always got, you know, a side parting in his hair sort of greasily slicked down and, and he probably sells cars or something like that. And he's just horrible. Everybody knows somebody like that. So you can immediately relate to the character. It's the character types, the archetypes are so good and so well done, so well drawn. Mm. I think that's what makes the book so excellent. 
And I know Jane Austen wrote it and rewrote it several times because people have said that it's you could see where she's gone back and rewritten bits. And it was apparently a book that she originally wrote to read aloud to her family. And right. she put in people that were like people that they will have known, which I think is, is so wonderful. Oh, you can just imagine right. her. Yeah. You can imagine them all sitting around going, oh, yeah, we know who that's meant to be, don't we? <laughs> you know, we're all accused, all writers are accused of writing people they know. I mean, I don't because I've got a head full of imaginary people but mm. people who know who know you and who knew you know kind of go oh I know who that's based on I know who that's based on and you think no it really isn't but people read themselves <laughs> into books and mm. it's quite easy to read into Northanger Abbey characters that you already know. Mm. So which which Jane Austen novel should I read next then? I'd read Emma actually mm. there's a lot actually, of similarity. I mean, Emma I, I, I would suggest that the greatest uh, screen adaptation of a Jane Austen novel is Clueless. I've never seen Clueless. I know my children are horrified at me as well. Um, <laughs> I'm really, really bad at pop culture. I'm mm. really, really bad at it. I, I just I tend to come to it like 20 years too late. And so I, I tend to stick with the adaptations of Emma. <laughs> rather than <laughs> modernised versions. I just, I don't know why. I just do. I don't often like when people have tried to relate, uh, you know, books and, and bring them up to date because some mm. of the mannered things just don't quite work. If it's taken as a separate story on its own, I think it can work quite well. Yeah. But I'm not keen on adaptations. And I think Emma, a lot, all the film adaptations of Emma are perfectly good. I don't think you need yeah. to bring it up to date it's it's also quite a modern book when you when you read it and you find out you know how misguided emma is and how mm. you know she actually behaves quite badly and she gets called oh, yeah. on it, which is mm. really good and feels ashamed of herself she grows and develops throughout the novel you know she starts out quite like catherine morland quite naive with very set ideas to how things ought to be and then gets really roundly called on some of the things she does and has to kind of sit there and go yeah actually I did make a mistake and I'm really sorry for it so she also grows and changes so if you like Northanger Abbey or if you like Emma you'll like Northanger Abbey and vice versa I think mm. okay right that sounds like a plan then <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to force you to it I mean you know you no I, 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 no the thing is that I, I, as I say I, I, I did enjoy reading Northanger Abbey and uh, I, I, I'm glad I finally read a Jane Austen novel now <laughs> Yes, yes. Okay. I, I, you don't, you yeah. know, you don't have to read your way through her entire over. I'm not that yeah. keen on Sense and Sensibility, um, so you know, you don't have to like all of them. I quite like Pride and Prejudice, but it's not my favourite. But Emma, I do like Emma, and that would come a close second to Northanger Abbey if I was forced to pick. You know, my favourite Jane Austen books in order or die. I'd, uh, I'd do it that way. Mm. I think it's probably a very unlikely occurrence, but if I had to, then. <laughs> <laughs> It would be a very, Why very specialist, <laughs> specialist torture device. Yeah. Well, there, there, actually, there's one other weird thing I want to ask you about. There, there's this a bizarre rant at the beginning, uh, quite early on, about about novel reading. Oh yes. That she launches into. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, well I, I think it's it's the fact that Henry reads novels. Yeah. And John and all the Thorpes are very very down on novels but I think it's because novels then were not like novels now yeah 
Um, nowadays, everybody reads novels, but then novels were a very specific type of book. They were basically a castle of Otranto. You're very highly fictionalized, highly sensationalized, almost bordering on the teetering on the edge of sex. You know, they were they were very sensational novels. Mm. And anybody who pretended to anything more, I don't know, refined, more refined sensibilities, shall we say, mm. would say, I don't read novels. So this is why it's so good that Henry right up the front says, oh, yeah, I like novels. Yeah. And so you immediately know that Henry is a good guy. He's a decent guy because he <laughs> reads novels. And this is all yeah. taking place within a novel, which makes it even more meta. Mm. Um, so it's just it's a way I think it's a device really of, of to show that Henry is on the same wavelength as Catherine. Yeah. Mm. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, who reads novels these days anyway? You know, well, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> They're all rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's a sort of segue into let's talk about what you've been writing and what sort of things. I, I what I did just to, to prepare for this, I oh, yeah. went back to an inter, to the interview that I did with you ten years ago. Oh god, is it that long ago? It is. Well, the horror is just is just finally leaving me now, and you're you're going to break it all back up again. I'm, I'm triggered. Yeah, certainly am. Uh, and um, that's some fun answers that. And, and I just wonder if you can remember any of them. No, it's it, it, ten years ago. I can't even remember actually, where I parked the car. It, it's still there on my website. So <laughs> I'm avoiding the horror. Yeah, there's uh, now in in your. I was struck by. I remember being struck by one of the things in your starstruck uh, that there was the male protagonist was a hunky smouldering science fiction writer yes he was yes and that sort of struck me as unusual <laughs> so did you did you perhaps relate a little jonathan <laughs> no <laughs> so, so well jack's uh, a bit of an idiot in that so you yeah. know <laughs> but I, I i sort of basically i said name your top five swilps please that's a the abbreviation that will never be used again. But anyway, no, let's let's devoutly hope not. So, what do you think your answer was? Your top five? Oh, good grief! Probably J. Michael Straczynski because I was still no. coming off a great Babylon Five high then, wasn't I? Um, no, 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 no. Good lord! I, I don't even know if I know any. Oh, um, uh, Russell, Russell T. Davis. Was he nope. not? Did he not even make the list? <laughs> oh, how are the mighty fallen? Um, yeah, right. <laughs> go, on. Toby, go on. Toby Whithouse. Oh, Toby yes, Whithouse. Toby, yes, I'm, yeah. Uh, Joss Whedon, I think you picked a wrong one there, though. Yeah, well, He's, this is what, yeah. yeah, we didn't know then. No. Uh, anyway, I was basing it on their writing, not on their personalities. Yes, yes, that, that, that's fair enough, that's fair enough. You know. enough. Hal Duncan? Who's Hal Duncan? I don't know. <laughs> Again, ten years ago, Jonathan. Ten years yeah. ago. N Neil Gaiman, well, he's still. Yes. Cool. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Alan Garner, if I'd got to him thirty years ago. Yeah. 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 He's he's about ninety now, so yeah. you know, even ten years ago, he was but not he's, wearing. He's, well. he's still writing. He's, he's just. Yes, he is. Yes. Book, yes. Yeah. Yes, he's still yeah. writing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, okay. Some of my answers okay. might change quick, a bit. Quick, quick, quick. <laughs> Question two. If you were given an unlimited budget to purchase anything from the Forbidden Planet's online catalogue, what would you go for? 
do you know, I haven't set foot in a forbidden planet for years. <laughs> Probably the entire collection of Sandman graphic novels. Pretty, pretty close, actually. What would I buy? Probably the limited edition hardcover version of Neverwhere. Yeah. So, yeah. same author. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, yes, that's yeah, okay. yeah. Neverwhere. Yeah, Neverwhere's still, yeah, not still bad. very... Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. I'll give myself points for that. Okay, give me points for that. Question three, yep. Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Trek. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. <laughs> that's Star not Trek even every... a question. That's not, that's not even a question. I'm sorry. There's, there's far too much hair in Star Wars. <laughs> oh, Star Wars is just... Yeah, no, no, no. All of, all of Star yeah, Trek. I, I, think, yeah. I think it's... This, it's strange that there is actually... There's, I mean, there's far more of Star Trek, but there seems more of Star Wars because it's just gone on... Yeah, yeah, well, they do. They drag it out. You know, yeah. all the side characters are getting their own stories now, and, um, you know, and I... And, no, and it never did. It never did make an impression on me, but yeah, Star, but... Star Trek did. So I, I've been quite enjoying the Mandalorian. Though. That's quite fun. But yeah, anyway. again, pop culture. You're saying yeah. words. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know of it. I, I, yeah, you'll, you know, you, I you, you, you'll get you'll get round to that in about twenty years' time. Then. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. When everybody's yeah. dead. Yeah. I'll, I'll... <laughs> question. Question four. Was I thinking thirty-three and a third, forty-five or seventy-eight? Thirty-three and a third. Yeah. Do you know why? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I probably had some really good excuse then, but um, because, because, because I prefer more, singles, I think, you know. Because, because it's more numbers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I've gone off numbers, I have to admit, in the, inter yeah. <laughs> in the interim, but, you know, yeah, it takes longer to say. So anything that takes somebody else longer to say gives me less chance to get a word in edgeways and really disgrace myself. So that's probably why. Ah, OK, yeah, I can, I can go with that. That's, mm, that's yeah. Yeah. John Paul, John Paul, George or Ringo? George. You, you gave a really weird answer to that one. Those are all popes, aren't they? Can I vote for <laughs> Heraclas of Alexandria? That was a, that's a very oh, odd yes, yes, response. Yes, yes, I yes. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I have a point there. <clears throat> yes. Yes, I yeah. think one of them was, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'll, I'll probably stick with that one, actually. Yeah. Okay. Right. Next question Branson or Marmite? Mm, I'd probably say Marmite because Branson's got vinegar in it. Thank God for that. I would have, you know, this wouldn't <laughs> you have happened. You disowned me Branston. if I said Branston, yes. Yeah, no. yeah I'm sorry, oh, but little, little you, Giles is sick and not my thing, really. Yeah, because Branson looks like sick. I think you're right. Yes, there, yeah. it does. And I, right, according I, to me, it tastes like it too. So, yeah. What is your favourite dinosaur and why? I love the answer to this one. <laughs> oh, my favourite dinosaur changes from day to day. You know, I'm I should point out for, 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 for those of you who, who, who haven't followed, don't follow you on Twitter, that your uh, Twitter avatar is. Uh, yes, it's Rex. It's Rex from Toy Story, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Yes. I am. I am. Um, I'm quite fond of. Well, actually, anything that's really, really complicated to spell. What, was, what used to be my favourite? Pachycephalosaurus, I used to be quite keen on. Okay. And, <clears throat> you know. <laughs> Well, well, ten years ago you went for baryonyx. Now this is what this I love about this answer. Mostly because it looks like someone took half a dozen unrelated animals, cut off the useful bits, stitched them together, and allowed them to gallivant around the world eating fish, a bit like Rick Stein. <laughs> oh, that was funny back in the day, wasn't I? I wonder what <laughs> happened. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, Finally. I, I can only assume that my sense of humour has been worn away by life. And... I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> it hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> by life and exposure to Branston Pickle, you know, it's, it's yeah. been a terrible life in the interim 10 years. My last question was, what question have you never been asked that you wish you had and what would the answer be? Well, uh, if you were a kind of cheese, what cheese would you be? Okay, that's a, that, that's a good <laughs> Decent question. It was wasn't the one that no, the question you wish you had been asked was ten years. Ten was, years. I have to have people remind me not to go out in my slippers <laughs> these days. You expect me to remember what I said ten years ago. Okay, if it was the by the way, for everybody listening, if it was I'll love you forever, I was lying then as well. <laughs> the question you wish you had been asked was. Do you and Johnny Depp really have to make so much noise when you're having sex? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I just wait, is, is Johnny Depp being cancelled? It's sort of cancelled. It's Johnny Depp. Yeah, yeah, it's Tom. What's his status yeah, Tom, at the moment? I think it's. Bit, yeah, uh, Tom, yeah, Tom Hiddleston and me now, I'm afraid. Johnny, ah, right, Johnny's okay. out. I mean, Johnny yeah. doesn't even so, come round anymore. Yeah. You know, it, it's Tom Hiddleston. I mean, obviously, we keep our romance very low key. Oh, very often. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> right. Very good. Passing swiftly along. Yes. <clears throat> so, right. So you've written, uh, was also writing the number of books you've written. Oh, I just about 20, I think. There's, there's oh, a right. lot. I, I'm, there's, I, I had a feeling I probably missed, missed at least one or two. It's, it's about this many. Hmm. I, am, I am indicating with my hands the amount of shelf that they take up. Right. This, about this many. It might be this many. Okay, I can I can visualize that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah people so, so like you, to envisage me doing the actions usually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, so you you've you've written, I mean, you, you mainly write what I mean what would you describe what you write as romantic comedies? Chicklet, do you go with that? I describe it as dark psychological romance with jokes. Ah, that's because, good. Yeah, that, yeah that, that, my, that's, that's better, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of doesn't really fit into any particular genre. No. My various publishers have tried to market me as various different things, but we haven't really quite found a niche yet. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that was one of the comments I made on my review of Starstruck was that it's actually quite a dark story in places, but it's, yes, constantly, most, most leavened by, yeah. it's yeah. constantly leavened by Miss Lovering's engaging wordplay. <laughs> I particularly Which like the reference... she can't now remember any of... <laughs> I particularly like the reference to a drugged sky being dragged along a hotel corridor like room service for a shy serial killer. That's a hell of a line. <laughs> Again, a long time ago. Um, yeah, all my books are quite dark. <clears throat> They, they do have a mm. lot of darkness. I'm again, like Northanger Abbey, I don't write about your ideal heroine or your ideal hero, but all of my mm. people have got something vaguely wrong with them somewhere along the line they're quite broken people <laughs> usually so uh yes yes I I, I do still write dark stuff mm. with I mean, is, it, is, is there a definite plan to your to to, to sort of your progressions because I know you sort of took a slight detour into vampire novels briefly oh yes is there a definite plan to, to how you sort of move forward as a writer or do you just go where your instinct takes you I don't really have a plan and I'm not entirely sure I'm moving forward. I'm <laughs> kind of shimmying on the lateral yeah. plane, I think, is probably the best way to describe my writing. I think that's a good place to be, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, 
Yes, I mean, I, I write about all completely different subjects. I mean, you've got you, you know, you're talking about Starstruck, which is the the, the conference thing. I've written mm. about a physics professor who was found naked on the moors. I've written about the book I've just finished, which is not the next book to come out because that's finished, finished, about mm. uh, a woman who was a young carer as a child. And I've written, I can't remember, the next book uh, that's due to come out is about domestic abuse. So, you know, I, I write about a lot of stuff and a lot of different people. Yeah. Because I try nice. to write about people as real as I can make them. And I yeah. think, you know, if you're mm. making them real, then there's a lot of stuff going on in people's lives. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, so, but, sorry, I'm just... Don't worry, I, I do that to people all the time. <laughs> <laughs> they sit yeah. and stare at me. <laughs> it's, uh, it's an occupational hazard these days. I'm, I'm just yeah. quite used to it. I've taken up knitting um, in the silences, you know. Yeah. That seems seems a good, good seems a fair yeah. Solution. Don't worry, I'm getting on the yeah. blanket here. You carry on. <laughs> no, what I was going to say was so you, you are lar <laughs> largely marketed as a as as, as well. You, you, I mean, you want prizes for romant for romantic novels. Yes. Now the the novels that you've described sound sound like they would appeal to both men and women but I would imagine that given the way you are marketed your readership would probably your gender split would be mainly towards women it's largely right marketed it's largely marketed towards women I'm, I think I'm being marketed as women's fiction at the moment mm. there really shouldn't be such a gender split I mean mm. I read man's fiction so yeah. um, I think it's because my books tend to deal more on character than story. So there's not a whirlwind of action and events. There's a lot of people sitting down and thinking about where they went wrong. So I think the introspection level probably leads it because the, the, the people doing the introspection, I write in first person and it's all in the heroine's head. So because the introspection tends to be very female based and female orientated, I think men sometimes find it a little bit harder to relate to. So, but men do read it. I, I have several men. I, I do. Uh, they're still in the basement and they need <laughs> these books and they read them thoroughly. So, you know, I do know that men do read them, um, yeah. but it's marketed more and angled towards the romance reading fraternity because they all have a happy ending. And that's mm. what you need for romance. You've got to have, I mean, it, it, it doesn't have to be all about the couple on the page, but you do have to have a couple who have form a loose attachment and maybe happy for now and we're ending on an upbeat ending. Mm. So I do try and I do tend to follow the romance sort of, yeah, that format a little bit, but it's, mm. it's, yeah, I write about people doing people things. Mm. But I mean, the, the, it struck me that the, the weird thing is that, I mean, the likes of say Sally Rooney. Yeah. She's very much marketed to the, general public as a whole yes whereas she's writing about the same sort of things really well yes I mean if anybody televised me I mean I could be watched by anybody it's it's just that you know there's a lot of books out there and you have to kind of angle mm. your marketing in one direction or another and that just yeah, is the, mark, so. the yeah. angle that um that my publishers yeah. are taking with me which is you know fair enough mm. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what point I'm trying to make there. Actually, but <laughs> I think you're trying to say that is there a gender divide in reading public and should there be? No, there really shouldn't be, but yes, there mm. is. That's yeah. the simple answer to that one. 
I mean, I, I, I think I'd, I, if I look at my sort of Goodreads reviews, which I know you should never look at your Goodreads reviews, but they, they, um, there's a fair, there's, I think it's about a 50-50 split. But that just may reflect that the fact that more women tend to write reviews of things. and More women read books. More women, more read women, books. women so, make up. Yeah, women make yeah. up the vast majority of the reading public, and your books aren't so gender specific, are they? Mm. No. So you know you can you can be male or female. I mean, if you write sort of book, books with a strong adventure thread and a, a detective mm. thread, yeah, uh, so. through them, then you will pick up readers because detect people who read detective novels tend to fall on both sides of the gender divide. I think. Well, yeah. Uh, so you know you you've done it right. I've got it completely wrong. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing anything right. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, God, you're uh, making my list of top, of top uh, swilfs. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so your latest book is a mid midwinter match. Midwinter match, yes. So, can you tell me a bit about that one? Uh yes, it's about two people whose companies are merged. And they both do essentially the same job for their two separate companies. And they are told that there is only one position available. So only one of them is going to be able to keep the job. And they both have very, very good reasons for wanting to have that position in the company. And my heroine suffers from generalized anxiety disorder and panic attacks. And she's pecuniarily, cha pecuniarily challenged, shall we say. She's quite hard up. Uh, because she's made some bad choices in her past and she, that so you know why she needs to keep the job but you don't find out why Zach uh, needs the job until later on in the book so basically it's about two people mm. competing for one job it's not an enemies to lovers book because they basically like each other right from the start but there's a there's a whole ethical dilemma going on about the way the company goes about it and it's it's based in York in the snow at Christmas time. So mm. it's it, a peculiar book to release in August, I know, but uh, <laughs> just, the the, just the way the timings fell. So it's a Christmassy sort of book. And yes, it's, it's about, basically it's about a, a competition for a job, but it's about a lot more than that. And yes, yeah, anxiety disorders and panic attacks and things do feature quite heavily in it. So if that's anybody's trigger, then don't read it. Mm. Okay. Right. Sorry. So, so, go, go, go. Sorry. Sorry, I'm talking to the dog. She, oh right, that, that, that's that's right. <laughs> she's just you know staring at me, but you know it's mm. nice to have anyone staring at me when you get to my age. So well, yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't knock it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what uh, have you got? Uh, you sort of suggest you've got another book ready to yes to go out, I is it? Or have... is that... I've got a book that is with my editor. We've edited it. I think it comes out on the 15th of February. Mm. And it is going to be called A Cottage Full of Secrets. And it's about a woman who's escaping or has escaped a coercive relationship and who buys a little cottage in Yorkshire. And her next door neighbour is an artist. And it's about people learning to live with people and about the things that she finds in this cottage that lead her to believe that somebody who lived there before had a very similar relationship to hers. Mm. So that's, that's coming out in February. And then I've just finished another book about a woman who is woken up at four in the morning 
by the police to be told that her ex-husband has blown himself up. So, so this. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yes, and I've started okay. to look after that, which is about a reality TV show based on a group of people hunting uh, anomalous black cats in the countryside. So, can I, can I just ask, how many of you are there? <laughs> I don't have any hobbies. I am a very sad person who goes to work, <laughs> comes home and writes books. Um, that is that is my entire life. So, and obviously this is why I'm not up with pop culture because I'm busy <laughs> making my own. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah yes. So, so I, I just, I, I just basically do nothing except work and write yeah. and eat. Clearly. So yeah. So was that, was that always your ambition? Oh yes. To, to do that, yeah. Yes, yes. I, I was all I ever wanted to do is write books. That was my, that was yeah. all I wanted to do. Of course, my career's advisor at work at school was completely lost, and it was a bit like, you know, why don't you go be an air hostess? And I was, I would never have been any good at that. So I went and worked on a farm for a while. And then I went to secretarial college simply to learn to touch type. It's the only reason I went <laughs> was so I could learn to type faster so I could that, write my books. Um, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's an yeah. amazingly sensible thing to do. Yes. I, I, I wish yeah. I'd, I'd done that. Well, this is how I can turn out two books a year, you see, because I can touch type. I can type nearly as fast as I can think, and I can think pretty fast. So it was the best thing I ever did. <laughs> so, yes, yes. So I've, I've had some fairly um, strange jobs in the past, but uh, I finally mm. settled on on writing books. And I, I do mm. work in the co-op as well. So, you know, big, big ups to the co-op. Mm. And I'm living the dream, basically. Yeah. And so you're just, you're just going to carry on? Writing books, yeah. Writing books, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Until someone comes and prizes the pen out of my cold dead hand, then yes, yes. <laughs> it's the only thing I can do. It's the only thing I'm any good at is writing books. I'm mm. not bad at dressage either, but I don't think the chances of me becoming an international dressage rider and being paid a fortune to do it is is at all feasible. So I think I'll stick to the writing books. I don't know, I think there's this. I think with dressage you can you can carry on for a long time with it because there was that there was a Japanese guy at the 2012 Olympics wasn't there and was, mm -hmm. was willing to his 70s or 80s doing it wasn't he? Yeah but I ride small scruffy ponies and it, it's, <laughs> it's not particularly elegant to look at and you know international I, I, I basically poddle around in a field I'm, I'm not I'm not <laughs> going to make anybody's you know best dressage rider of the century lists so I think I'll just stick to writing books, besides which I'm more likely to attract the attention of Tom Hiddleston by writing books than I am plodding around on a muddy small pony in a field in the rain. So, you know. Fair point, fair point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. It's, um, when I say I'm, I, that's the only things I'm any good at, I can really only, I can really only write books. I'm not much good at dressage either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not much good at anything else, so I, I'll, I'll just stick. To, I'll stick to writing the books because you know I am critically well acclaimed. I don't, I don't make any money at it, but I'm critically well acclaimed. I'll I mean, you, you've won loads of prizes, so that yes, obviously yes, means something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so, yeah. critics lovely. You know, yeah. it's, it's the same. You know, I'm, I'm one of these uh, small indie films that um, just potters along and a few people have heard of it and it wins all the awards at all the film shows but nobody's ever heard of it nobody's ever seen it <laughs> that's me 
Yeah, but then you you become a cult figure, and, and uh, well, that's what I'm hoping. I'm I'm yeah. hoping to become a cult well, figure before good. I die, but you know, any day now would be good. You know, because <laughs> eventually, all, all all the good cult figures they 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 suddenly spring to to, to mainstream, and and everyone who's following them as as, as a cult, yes, uh, sort of says yeah. well, uh, and, and gets very. Yes. Uh, yeah. They start saying, "You know, ownership we, issues, and you know, you yeah, know, I, they'll all they'll all go off me once I become yeah, a megastar yeah, because I will, I'll have sold I, out. I, I, oh boy, I, will I sell out! You will never I, have seen anyone selling out so fast. Yeah, of um, course, I prefer I preferred her earlier work. Yes, 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 yes. Of course, you would you wouldn't know her earlier work, but no, it no. was obscure, <laughs> and it was extremely obscure, in fact, and. And she's still wandering around somewhere looking for where she parked the car. So don't expect any more from her. <sighs> but yes, yes, I, I'll settle for megastardom any day now. But, you know, it, it's fine. I don't mind burbling along, being an also-ram as well. It's the people who know me know me. And, yeah. and that's, that's good enough. Except for Tom Hiddleston, of course, he doesn't know me, but should. Mm, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much for, uh, for coming along. Oh, thank you for having me, in a manner of speaking. In a manner of speaking, yes. Yes, I've enjoyed it. It's been great. I'm a terrible show-off, you see, so I like doing things like this. Well, like I said before we started, I I, I did say, don't we all, but as you pointed out, not not all writers do. No, no, uh, a lot of writers just like to write, and they're not big on selling themselves. I mean, I'll sell myself in any format that comes comes to hand. Yeah. Noted for it, in fact. Yes, yeah. (laughs) It's kind of an unpleasant side effect of the writing industry, but some of us like it and some of us don't. So, mm. I yeah, I really feel for all the very shy writers out there who have to do things like this and must just find it acutely painful. Yeah, it must be terrible. Yes, yeah. must be. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> Not for us, though, so we're fine. Not for us, no. <laughs> so this place is intended to be free from adverts as if anyone would pay to advertise there anyway but if you've enjoyed this episode please feel free to reward us by buying our books jane is yep. on twitter as jane lovering and her website is at janelovering.co.uk i'm on twitter as john pinnock and my website is at jonathanpinnock.com this podcast now has its own twitter account as litbutpod and dms are open or email me on litbutpod at gmail.com And do please rate, review and subscribe so that other people find out about all the fascinating stuff here. You'll find this podcast in all the usual places. Next time, I'll be talking to the brilliant flash fiction writer Karen Jones about Christopher Brookmeyer's One Fine Day in the Middle of the Night. See you then. Right, and I think that's about it. Have you pressed the stop record button? Try and find the stop record button. Where's the stop record button? It's gone. Oh, there.